You know why Midland's so flat? Why? Because people from Midland can move mountains. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> the demand for energy is accelerating like never before. New sources are emerging and established ones are evolving. Collectively, all sources will provide the fuel needed to support future global demand. Here on the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, we explore and learn about the people and companies solving today's problems to produce tomorrow's energy needs. Here is your host, Jose Solis. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Halliburton Labs. Halliburton Labs works with early stage companies to help accelerate their growth by providing access to operational expertise, mentorship, as well as financing opportunities as companies prepare to scale. Enter to win their weekly giveaway at HalliburtonLabs.com forward slash giveaway. Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to the Energy Scale-Ups podcast. I'm your host, Jose Solis. And today I am joined by special guest Petra Reyes, who is the Emerging Markets Manager over at Power Infrastructure Partners. And we are recording from where, Petra? We are at the WPC, World Petroleum Congress. The 23rd World Petroleum Congress here in Houston. And I have Petra here who has been saving oil and gas operators quite a bit of money on some diesel. The company that she's with has been scaling up tremendously over the past year since you've joined the team. Tell me the story about you know how you joined them, the story of the business. Sure. So I guess I should start with what we do. Power Infrastructure Partners, PIP, is poles and wires. We build substations. We turnkey big electrical infrastructure projects. The other side of my company is Pump Jack Power, which is we sell the power. We purchase it, schedule it out for producers in Texas. So let's say you... You've got your contract, your electrical contract, and you need upgrades, though. You, you don't need a new contract, but you need help with connecting to a PME, fixing poles and wires, whatever it may be. That's where we come in. Right. And when I joined the company, when I first started in oil and gas at 19, I was running around paperwork for construction companies, any kind of service company you can think of. I was running around all their invoices. And... Typically, I was with construction because these are long jobs, lots of different tickets to get signed. So I picked Power Infrastructure Partners because, one, my background in construction for almost 10 years now. And then also, I believe that electrification of the Permian is what's going to save Permian oil and gas. Sure, it doesn't always make sense. The grid doesn't always reach where it needs to go in these remote areas. But let's say... We do know there's a lot of natural gas out there. You can convert your natural gas to electricity, and we can build you a microgrid to power all of your operations on location. Don't flare it. Don't send everything down the pipeline. I mean, not to discredit any midstream companies, but nine times out of ten, they're not always going to take all of that gas. And, you know, you might have different contents. You know, it just depends. There's lots of factors in the way, but end of the day, Using electricity for operations saves a tremendous amount. There's so many different things that you can do for better operations, cleaner operations. You know, the big push, the reason why we've been doing this for years now. Mm-hmm. When I joined the company in 2020, December of 2020, coming up, and actually tomorrow is my one year anniversary. Congratulations. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I totally forgot. Just flew by. When I joined, they had been doing it for two years at that point. They're Austin based in Spicewood, Texas. 
And they, you know, of course they've got their contacts out in West Texas, but not a Permian native like myself. Right. And getting this message across and getting in these doors, it takes a long time. We recently had a very successful mobile transformer with a major operator out there, and we can't wait to let the cat out of the bag. This is groundbreaking. This is very innovative, very disruptive. You know, it's always been argued with. Electrification doesn't work for everyone. Well, sure, not everyone has the same access to electricity, and you don't want to cause a blackout in the Permian. You know, our, we have grid problems as is. Right. But through electrification, we can help solve a lot of those grid problems, power quality problems, supplying more power to the grid as well. Doesn't it also help the operators reduce some of their carbon emissions and sort of help them on the ESG front as well? Sure. So I was getting to that and I totally went on a tangent. So (laughs) we've already shown them the numbers, how much we can save them. We've been doing that for years. Now with these new initiatives, these environmental initiatives Mm -hmm. and zero emissions, now they're starting to really listen to us. It, they, people set themselves a goal by a certain year, they want to have zero emissions. Well, part of that is through electrification. That's where we come in. We can electrify your whole field for you. It takes a lot of planning and communication. And what we've seen and what's delayed some of that is we need full transparency with all of the vendors. We need to know how much power they're using mm-hmm. or require. And then from there, we can build out the mobile transformer to power the entire location. Right, right. So yes, it's reducing emissions, all that diesel, all those diesel generators. I mean, how many diesel generators have you seen on a location at one time? In West Texas? Yes. A lot. A lot. I mean, and, and the smell is, I mean, it's almost nauseating sometimes. And the power quality is not there either. We've seen with wireline and frac and drilling that with electricity done right, voltage, everything's clean, very consistent power very consistent workflow. You know, there's no downtime. You want to fix a generator. You're uh-huh. not, you know, up and down in voltage, you know, making the lights flicker. You know, it's super clean. Do you also have to have technicians on location in the event that something goes down? Or is it usually like, what is the, I guess, the uptime percentages? Is it usually, you know, has a high level of uptime? Or do you have to have somebody on location? Or do you dispatch somebody in the event there's a problem? Sure. So I'm the emerging markets manager, which is translates to business development, but I'm also in operations. I'm out there a lot and I've got a wonderful team, Steve and Todd and Dave. Yes, we do have somebody for initial kickoff where they're pretty much all of day one of frack jobs. Okay. Because we do want to ensure quality throughout. Right. They cannot access the mobile transformer because we bolt it shut. We don't want anybody to get in it. They <laughs> oh, would literally, a rig hand will try and get in there. Sure. I mean, they think they can fix whatever. Let me just knock it around a little bit. No. We've got people on call anytime, 911, 24-7. Somebody's out there available. But yeah, first day, we're heavy in there, adjusting voltages, checking meters. Because that's typically when something will go wrong is probably that first day, like the initial kickoff, right? Sure. We even powered, I left out sand as well. We powered sand just this past Saturday after the Thanksgiving weekend. We kicked off our first successful mobile transformer in the Permian. And it did take an all day event just so that we wanted to make sure everybody was up and running because, you know, it's in stages. Not everybody's going to be running at the same time right away. These these units that you guys provide, I'm assuming this is designed by the company and this is something that goes through a manufacturing process. What's been the development? What's that been like? How, how long did that take? And sort of some of the lessons learned that you guys can share with that. 
Sure. I would say we were given a very short deadline, almost like a hurry up and help us. You know, we had been talking to this operator for a year and it came down to, oh, by the way, our date is the 18th of this month and we need it done ASAP. Where, what's your price? And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need <laughs> so much information from you. Right. And I think one of the pain points was not being able to access the vendors ahead of time mm-hmm. to get the right power, the amount of power that they needed. Right. But sure enough, everything worked out. We were able to have a successful, but yeah, we got it done. We were able to put it together in, I want to say, less than a month. Wow. But for smooth process and most cost efficient, to have the lowest cost, the best lead time, it does still, I don't think it would take that long. I think it, it was a little expensive it being so late and, mm-hmm. and us having to put it together really quickly, but we still did yeah. because we are an EPC company. We turnkey huge projects. We have lots of subcontractors that help us put this together. This It's all on a trailer and it, you know, you need lots of different components on that trailer and we were able to build it, secure it, test it, deliver it to location in a very short amount of time. And it was still successful. It was a little overbuilt. Like mm-hmm. I said, we, didn't have all of the data right away, but that was nothing for us. I mean, we've overcome tremendous things. We've got a blessed design, quote unquote, blessed by ERCOT and Encore and all the companies that you have to have proper approvals to either take from the grid or put on the grid or transmit right. on there. So that also plays a big role in why we're able to move so quickly. Mm-hmm. That's something that not a lot of companies, EPCs or any electrical infrastructure company has like we do. So I would say with confidence that not only can we make stuff happen fast, but we can make we make sure that it's going to be of quality as well. We are we're not going to just throw anything out there that hasn't been proven by our combined of almost 100 years of experience in electrical engineering. That's a good segue into the next portion of my question, which would be companies that are starting to grow and they're starting to expand into places like the Permian, where you've got a tremendous amount of experience. You've been running around the Permian for a long time. You know how the quote-unquote game is played. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that companies that they're starting to want to offer their products and services, whether they be tools, rental equipment, or digital products, they're wanting to do business with the operators in that region, what are some of like the key nuggets of like, hey, these are the things that you need to do, you need to do really well, because I know having done business in the Permian that your reputation can, you know, it, it takes forever to build and just a moment to die. And people live and die by their reputations, especially in that market. So, I mean, you've been in there for a while. Can you share some of those things? Sure. I think for any service or product or technology that you want to in- introduce to the Permian, it takes a lot of, like you said, reputation building, getting exposure, getting in front of people. And my biggest thing is do not sell do not sell do not talk about getting in the door and doing a demo or showing them you know some quotes or pricing getting an msa stay away from that just like my my company it takes a lot of information sharing we want the customer to really fully understand what we do and what we can provide our capabilities but most importantly I'm really giving all my secrets away, but (laughs) listen, listen to your customer. You know, like I said, the exposure, the introduction, meeting them, give them a chance to speak and and share their needs and pain points. Like I said, that's, there's so many layers of that. And we can't find out which piece or what art, which 
service that we provide will be best fit for that customer. If I walk in and saying, this is all the things that I do and open my trench coat full of all these different items that you could buy, you know, it's better to just listen. And I've done, I was successful in helping with not building a a substation because that's really what I'm focused on is building substations. But I went to visit a customer. He kind of gave me, uh, sure, I'll call you when we might need something, you know, just whatever. You get a lot of that in the Permian. Uh What I did, another thing I would suggest for anybody in sales is humble yourself and go to the field. Go talk to those operators, field guys. Familiarize yourself. You have no idea who has access to who, who is influential. Typically, the field doesn't make a ton of decisions, but they can definitely tell you where their pain points are. And you can share that with the higher ups, the upper level people, people in Houston, the decision makers and say, hey, you know, typically in that field, and maybe you don't want to get your field guy in trouble and say, you know, this is where my source yeah, came Bob from. Yeah, Bob told me that you guys were yeah, having a problem. Yeah, don't do that. You guys are having a problem. <laughs> Never do that. Yeah. Never tell where around. you get your source from. Yeah. I've learned that through being a ticket signer back in the day, getting invoices signed. I never tell where I got that approver's phone number or email from. I just say, oh, it was in a database, you know, whatever we say. But <laughs> Google. <laughs> big thing, listen. Take time to just listen to what they do, what they're in charge of, their scope of influence, you know, pain points. And then, like I said, visit the field because all of these electrical, you know, electrification is only going to benefit the operations, the people that are actually there. Sure, the Houston engineer or an engineer in office in Midland wants the best for the field and wants to make the best decision, but he needs support or he or she needs support and to find out what's going going on. You know, I've had a customer with some ESP problems. They were thinking that it was the vendor, you know, they bad design. You know, what did you guys do? Well, it turns out it was actually a power quality problem. They were losing power. They were connected to, there's too many PMEs on the line. This matter, they bought this asset from somebody that didn't have an as of aggressive development plan. Mm -hmm. And they also didn't have a lot of information about the electrical infrastructure, the current microgrid on there as well. So we are even able to work backwards. But the only way I was able to find that out is because I went to the field. I was talking to one of their operators, a regular company man, field hand, said, what's going on out here? You know, hi, I'm Petra. Nice to meet you. You know, call Petra for all things Petra. It doesn't matter what you need. Give me a call because I'd rather nine times out of 10, call me. I'll get you an answer. And that one time that you remember I'm doing electrical stuff, call me. That's worth it every time. Oh, yeah. All right. So you would even go as far to recommend for a company trying to break into the Permian specifically to start with, you know, going out, talking to the people in the field collecting their pain points because I think from what you said and from my experience, they're probably going to be a lot more vocal about what's wrong. Right. And don't try and sell them. You know, you figure out who they work, who they're working with. And then maybe you, you start developing a relationship with that person and just letting them know that you've done your homework. Right. I found out that you had problem X, Y, or Z and here's, you know, here's some things I can do to solve it for you. Right. And so that's really interesting that, you know, that, that that's the advice that you would give because I don't think a lot of people would think that way. I think they would think, oh, you know, I need to go to the manager. Straight to Houston. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go to the managers or I'm going to go to the CEO or whoever it might be. I've worked with a number of companies, services, products, tools, tech, all of those. And ultimately, when a decision is made for you, whether it solves your problems or not, and you're forced to adapt that new tool, technology, or service, it's not always taken well. Earlier mm-hmm. today, they, they talked about change. It's all, There's always going to be resistance to change. Yep. 
culture is always going to be strategy. You can have the best strategy in the world, but if your culture doesn't adapt that, and that somebody during lunch said that today, then it's not going to happen. So part of the culture is typically been, you know, forcing this on the field guys and on the field hands and nobody likes that. So yeah. asking them and, and putting it in, in their hands and saying, would this work for you? Can I show you this? You know, you mentioned you're having some problems with e-approvals and ticket signing and, or maybe, you know, you're not able to validate certain services. Were they really there? You know, a company man wasn't there. I was busy. I was busy on a different lease. And how do I know? And, you know, things like that. Well, hey, I've got a solution for you. Or, you know, there might be an answer to that. But putting the influence in their hands mm -hmm. to suggest and then they're able to say, hey, boss, I know you're really mad that I don't get my ticket signed on time, but I'm out in the field. I don't have time to look at a stack of paper tickets. Right. Maybe this app that I found that sends me the, the ticket as soon as the service is completed, I can verify it, sign and send it back to the vendor. Now, not only are we getting that out of the way, but I'm also knowing, I know that I'm not being cheated. There's not a, a secret snuck in t ticket in there because it goes off of cert certain levels of validation. Yeah. And putting that, I'm trying to look for the word, not responsibility, I wouldn't say influence, but just the idea in their hands so that they feel like they championed it yeah, it's, is it's incredible. Like inception. Empowering. Yeah the field people, the people that are actually going to use these tools. And in fact, going to the field and talking to these people will help you with your sales strategy as well when you do go into these Houston or Midland offices, when you do talk to the decision makers, because you're going to know what's been turned down, what didn't work before. The more visits, more familiarity yep. will help with how you present your product or service. Yeah, and they'll, they'll give you the inside scoop. You know, a lot of times, especially if, you know, they see that you're trying to do the right thing and that you're trying to help them and that you're not just there to sell them whatever gadget you have, but you actually want to make their life a little bit better. Because even though the engineer in Houston or Midland might buy your service or product, they're the ones that got to live with it. They're the ones that have to use it. They have to implement it. And a lot of times if they don't like it or if they don't want it, then what they'll do is they may break your tool or they may not use it or utilize it effectively. And it'll create a situation where the engineer, he or she will say, well, you know, it just wasn't adopted and we couldn't get it off the ground and we don't see a lot of value in moving forward. And that's it. You've, you've missed that opportunity or you, you didn't develop it all the way that it, where it could have been, right? Sure. And one more note to tips and for people trying to break into the industry is about five years into my oil and gas career, I had and I don't want to call it just a ticket center, but I was just a ticket center at that point. It wasn't necessarily selling a lot of services, but I had a, a mentor. Her name is Victoria Prince. She was the number one realtor in Midland forever. And she won woman of the year. And they had asked her, you know, we want you to share your number one tip for sales, successful sales. What is it? So she gets up on the stand, she gets on the mic and she has this pretty sparkly gold envelope. And she said, my number one advice for successful sales is... She opens up the envelope. She tells everybody, no one is allowed to tell anybody else the secret outside of the room. Obviously, she was kidding. She opens up the envelope and it says, follow up. <laughs> it does you no good to visit all these rigs out on location, calling all these customers, talking to all these guys, these field guys. Don't forget where you came from. Let's say you get in the door, successful deal. Now that 
field guys using your product and using your service, go and visit them. I think maintaining accounts as well, even if they've already signed on, they're already paying, things are going good. It helps to go and revisit because you don't want to be like... I hate to call anybody out. So I just want to say like, you don't want to be that service company that everything was going good. You thought it was great, but somebody else came (laughs) in the door and found where your weak points were. They solved and did what you did better. And the only way to keep up with that is staying current and staying in there. You know, never discount what someone does. It could just be a pumper for all I care, but I treat them like they're the CEO of the company. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and it goes back to sort of sales 101. If you don't take care of the clients that you already have, then you're always going to have to be filling your pipeline with new customers, right? And that's going to be really tough. Petra, I know you've got some stuff going on, so I'm going to go ahead and let you get out of here. But before you go, please let people know how they can get in touch with you, how they can find you, what's your Twitter handle so they can see you, you know, your pictures of your gold cat or your gold <laughs> Mercedes in Midland. Oh, yeah, my golden fox. My name is Petra Reyes. On LinkedIn, it's just Petra R. And then my email is P as in Peter Reyes, R-E-Y-E-S at PIP-TX.com. I'm on Twitter. It's President Petra. That's right. Just because, you know, I, I just, it just rolls off the tongue. Like call Petra <laughs> for all things Petro. At one time in my life, I, I wanted to be president. And who knows? Could still happen. Hey, it's still early in life. Just one industry saving at a time. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Petra. I really appreciate it. Listeners, thank you so much for checking out the podcast and being with us. Please, before you stop listening, make sure that you go and sign up for our weekly giveaway through Halliburton Labs. It's a recycled backpack. It's pretty awesome. Definitely get yourself one. Petra, thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you then. Join us again next week for another episode of the Energy Scale-Ups podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.